Father, we thank you that you have made this day for us to rejoice and be glad in. We are glad, just glad, Lord. We carry that with us because we have a new day, a new day to anticipate goodness, uh, promise, blessings, everything good, Father. This is what this day is made for. And we are rejoicing in you. And we thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence, to hear what you have to say to your people in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. So today I thought we'd talk about the fact that Jesus completes your healing. Amen. He completes your healing. So he completes everything. Amen. He is the author and completer of our faith. And that means our faith and everything that our faith will get for us in life. Amen. Jesus is responsible for us. And I know that comes as a shock to most people because we're accustomed to thinking of ourselves as always being on trial somehow with God. You know, oh, do I have enough faith? If I don't have enough faith, where do I go buy some from or where do I borrow some from? Or, you know, like we're out there by ourselves using something. We have no idea how it works. Amen. And we're trying to figure it out. And we don't have all the tools that it takes, and God knows that. So that's why he sent his son Jesus to live in us and live through us and be with us. Because we need a companion. We need someone who can show us the ropes. He said, follow me, not run ahead and try to guess what I'm doing in your life. Amen. And when he says follow him, it means that, you, you're learning how to, to manage life the way he would manage it if he were here himself living in our mortal bodies. And so it's a good thing to know that he's got it all figured out. He's got it all planned out. Many times we're a little too anxious to get the show on the road, so to speak, and to get from square A to square B. But we'll get there. How many of you know you always get there, right? You're still here. Nobody's killed you. Nobody's, uh, you know, maimed you. Nobody's kidnapped you. Uh, nobody's put you out of nothing. Amen. You, you know, <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. He always takes care of you. The first thing he promised, he, he gave to Israel was clothing and shelter and riches. They left Egypt wealthy. The Egyptians was broke when they left. How you like them apples? And see, we always worry about what the world has and when am I going to get mine? Well, you already have it. You just need to learn how to draw from it. Amen. Your wealth is in a different form than it's ever been. Your wealth is in you already. You need to learn how to draw from that and how to build that and how to construct your life out of what the wealth that God has already placed inside of you and start to declare the things that God has said about you and the things that you desire. So, so that's what he's doing and completing our faith and, and demonstrating to us the kingdom, showing us he's showing off all that he has for us. He's showing it off to us. This is why we're in the kingdom to begin to receive the kingdom, the, the kingdom within that comes without observation. You can't see it in the natural, but it is every bit there. Amen. It, it should be more uh, visible and more real to us than what's on the outside anymore. 
you know, after you begin to walk with God for a minute, you begin to understand he's more focused on the invisible than he is the visible. And especially if you've got a life that's a little tough, you know, if you've got some things in your life that need fixing real bad, be thankful there's more on the inside of you than there is on the outside. And what's inside, you can project out and it will remove the things in your life, the outer environment that are not pleasing to your lifestyle and to the lifestyle that God wants you to lead. And so we live in a a wonderful, this is a wonderful thing that God has given us and giving us his kingdom uh, so that we have a a place of refuge, a place to rest in, a place to go where we're undisturbed ever. You You don't ever have to be disturbed when you serve God. You can have peace all the time. You can have joy and rejoicing. You've got companionship all the time. Uh, you've got someone, a friend that sticks closer than a brother that hears your every cry that will, will talk to you and begin to help you to manage your life. Uh, if you just focus in on him and what he has for you. And so it's a wonderful thing and nobody can take it away from you. Nobody can take your relationship with God away from you. Amen. And it gets greater and greater as we go and as we learn. So Jesus being the author and completer of our faith will begin to, to get us engaged in the life of faith. How do you do that? He does it through the new birth. So you're born again and then you get the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You get the fullness of the Spirit. People who tell you there's no difference in their life haven't received it. You understand you, you got, when, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, everything on the inside kind of got within arm's length, you know, the spirit realm began to get more tangible and more real to me. I was convinced there was another place inside of me that I could retreat to where God was everything. And when you're not spirit filled, you got to sit up and wait till an emergency comes up and then pray. And then God is at such a, a distance from us and he never intended for us to live that way. He told the disciples not to do anything until they were endued with power from on high. You need power to live above the, the uh, natural realm. It, it takes just like you've got to have uh, an engine in your car. You can sit in your car all day long. If you don't have an engine and keys, it ain't going nowhere. And it's the same thing in the realm of the spirit. Until you have the power from on high, it's your, your vehicle ain't going nowhere. Amen. You know, you, you'll see uh, people who will, will uh, uh, talk about the difference in, in the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of praying in tongues and they'll say things like I heard the birds singing all day long and I knew birds were singing before I never heard them you know or you know I would look at a flower and it was a, a, a bigger flower it was a brighter flower everything comes you come into God's vision of what his creation is it gets better nobody can tell me you got the Holy Ghost and it got worse you, I don't know what you got, but you didn't get what God had for you. So get back in the closet or wherever you came from and, and get it. You know, stay with it till you get it. Cause it's worth, uh, waiting for, it's worth praying for, it's worth using your faith for. And really, 
these days you don't have to re- struggle to receive the Holy Ghost. You know, I I, I read uh, uh, some of the the church, our church uh, forefathers. You know that that were uh, Christians and, and working in signs and wonders a uh, hundred a hundred years ago. And they talk about how people would have to fast for days and fast for weeks and tarry before the Lord before they got the faith that they could receive. Now it's everywhere. The faith to receive the Holy Ghost is everywhere. It's easy to get people to receive. Amen. You can get people to receive on the street corner. I don't know what y'all do when y'all ain't here. That ain't my business, but you know what I'm saying. It's very easy now. And this dispensation, it's easy to engage people in conversation to receive healing. People want to be healed supernaturally. Where years ago, they didn't talk about it so much. They didn't believe God would heal people. I'm saying the knowledge of God is increasing. The availability of the gifts of God is is increasing. His kingdom is ever increasing. It's ever expanding. Amen. So it's easy for these things to happen, much easier than it was uh, before Azusa streets and, and during their time. And so we need to be thankful for that, that we have a God who's available. His faith is available. Jesus' faith was available when he walked the earth. It's more available now. Amen. The disciples, the early apostles gave their lives so that they could leave us this legacy. Amen. So that we can, you can walk outside of your house and and before you know it, God's got you in a conversation with somebody and the conversation comes around to what do they need and can I pray for you and we'll ask. And and you'll say stuff like, remember we used to say, well, well, I hope God will do it or, well, let's pray and see what God wants to do. Uh Uh-uh, God will heal. He wants you well, honey. Come on, let's get here. Amen. And it's very, very easy to say these things in faith. Why? Because Jesus is making faith more available to us. Everything he has is more available to us now. Healing's more available to us. Finances and breakthroughs and finances are more available to us. You know, where you used to be sweating when, when something would break at your house, you'd be so, oh, Lord, oh, oh. And now you just, hey, God, you know, I know you're going to take care of this. Just show me how and show me when and who do I call. And you don't even think about what it's going to cost most times. Not anymore. Not most Christians. Because most of us are obedient as we can be in our finances. And let me tell you this little tip. Even the disobedient people know they can call on God. Hey, I like this God. Amen. He said, call on me. He didn't say, if you do everything right, call on me. Or don't call me if you ain't acting right. He said, call on me, period. No matter what the circumstance, you better. (laughs) You know you better. You get in money trouble. Your relatives don't know you. Your cousins don't know you. Your BFF don't know. Don't nobody know you when you got money problems. But God, so call on him. He's easy to work with. He's easy to receive from. He's easy to get the things that you need. Why? Because he loves you. It's already given it. You don't have to beg him for nothing. Just expect him to do it. Start thanking him. Acting like, act like a grateful person. You know, act like you glad you have him as a friend. Act like he's your friend. Amen. 
and 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 forget about people and what they don't do and who don't do this. Yeah, I feel sorry for people who are still looking for man to do something for them. When God is so big and he loves us so much, and if he wants to use a human being, he can, but if he just wants to come down and visit you personally, he can do that too. Amen. So we just let God be God. So in in uh Luke chapter 17, if you'll go there, we're going to talk about the lepers, I think they are. I think it's 10 of them. Luke 17, uh, verse starting in verse 12, I think it is. Amen. Or verse 11. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. So these men were obeying the law of Moses, Mosaic law. And it's the law of, of, uh, really contamination and separation that comes to people when they have a body issue or in, uh, a, uh, some kind of evidence of disease. So there were different evidences of diseases with lepers. The skin would turn white. There were different stages of leprosy. Uh, one stage where they were contagious. One, another stage they weren't so much. And then the last stage, it was highly contagious. And so oftentimes people would start to show signs of healing in the midst of having leprosy. Amen. And the law was you could go show yourself to the priest and, and take an offering and a sacrifice. You don't just, just show up. You know, back in them days, you didn't just show up nowhere. You understand what I'm saying? Like now our churches, we don't know who's in the offering and who's not in the offering. Everybody just comes. Why? We're in a dispensation of grace. Under the law, they had a covenant with God that required sacrifices and offerings to even approach the priest. Amen. And so that, that thing had to be respected at all times. So that in, in, if you were in it, it was a sliding scale, what we call a sliding scale now. If you could afford to, it was a lamb or a ram or something like that, all the way down to a turtle dove if you were of a low, uh, financial status. Amen. When Jesus was dedicated at the temple, that was the offering that Mary and Joseph made. They took two turtle doves. So he was not wealthy like some preachers want you to believe. I'm going to walk out this door and I'm just going to, if I'm going to preach, Poppy, you're listening, right? You're the only one. Thank God for you. Amen. Thank God for him. Because I'll stay. I'll stay for the one. <laughs> Look, Chuckton came out of retirement. Now she joined the crew. Yeah, I know you all have heard this teaching, and they do it to justify what they have. Jesus was witch. They took him gold and 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 Frankenstein. Don't you know? By the time he got thirteen, unless he had a storage vault to hide all that that much. Yeah. Come on, y'all. 
<laughs> no, he wasn't 13. It was eight days for the circumcision. But all I'm saying is that, that Jesus lived like an ordinary person did. Whatever the Levites lived like, that's what everybody lived like. They lived like the priesthood and the priesthood lived like the people. They lived like the common people. They did not put themselves above anybody. That's how he's able to relate to me and you who don't have much from time to time. He's able to identify. Amen. When the disciples ask him where he lived, he said, I don't have a place to lay my head. You got me? He owned nothing. And what he did on the clothes that he wore, they gambled for that and took that from him when they crucified him. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he was not wealthy as some people would, would want you to think just to justify what they have. You know, gold and frankincense and it doesn't sell what he did with it. He probably offered it to someone. So you just don't know, folks. Let's, let's cut this nonsense out and focus in on the spiritual aspect of things and not so much the natural things. Natural will get you in trouble when the, when you live in an invisible kingdom. They're in conflict all the time. They're not, not always the same. And so he, he, uh, Jesus then, um, so the, the sacrifice was made Whenever you approach the priest, whenever you went to him, then you, you did what was, was, uh, dictated by the law. And if you, if you weren't, if you weren't sure your healing was in progress, there were several reasons why you could start to claim healing if you were a leper. Uh, first of all, you started to get obedient to the law again. And so many times people would find themselves unable to afford an animal or whatever thing it was that re- what was required. Uh, many times some of the things that are required for temple worship was out of reach financially for people. This is why Jesus was so upset with them charging people to exchange their money when they came from different cities just to come to Jerusalem to worship. And so it's, it's something that God is, is, is very sensitive about. He wants people to be able to approach him, whether you have money or not. When Jesus told the disciples, they, they, he said, it's, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. Amen. And he told the disciples, they said, really? Wow. Who can get in? Because that was the norm. It was, you know, the people that had money were the big shots in the temple, just like churches now. It has not changed. The religious system is the same. Whoever has the most money gets the most attention. You got me? And and that's just the way it is. And so this is how people see things, and this is the wrong way to see them. Why? Because the kingdom that we live in now works by faith and faith works by love and anybody can enter into that covenant of faith and love with God you got me so that opens it levels of playing field everybody can can come in and get it and these lepers the only thing they needed was faith in Jesus faith that he could do what they were asking him to do and that's the basis that he healed everybody on and so these these 10 lepers are standing afar off They had to tell that they were unclean. When people would come near them, they would have to back away from them. So leprosy was something that was socially isolating, where people could not enter into uh, a close relationship with people. 
uh, leprosy, just like some of the other, like the woman with the issue of blood. She had a discharge coming from her body. The same thing with people who had um, uh, some kind of infectious sore, some something like that. Now, the reason God isolated people was very obvious to us now living in the 21st century or whatever, this 22nd, whatever we're living in. I forget. But anyway, um, uh, it's obvious to us now because we've been taught laws of contamination. But back there, they didn't know that. They had no clue that if you touch something, that came from a person infecting person's body, that it would get on you and you would get the same disease they had. So it, disease spread like crazy. That's how the plague wiped out what it was more than a half of the, the population of Europe was uh, killed by the bubonic plague. And and because they had no, they would get up, you know, go to the bathroom, don't wash no hands, they didn't water to wash no hands. You understand what I'm saying? And there was contamination everywhere. Amen. They would leave dead bodies to rot sometimes instead of giving them a burial. And those contaminants would get on animals and animals would get next to people. That's how that plague spread. It was through the flea off of a rat that ate contaminated bodies that they would, they would, if a person committed a crime, you know, we, we doing good to have a justice system. You know, it works okay. Sometimes it don't work so well. If you got money, it do, you know, if you don't have money, it don't work so well for you. But there are certain things that we just don't do because they're too ghastly to do. But back in those days, if if somebody was uh, committed a crime, I think something as simple as, as stealing, they would uh, uh, hang the body up in the public square. And that person would stay in there. It was they. It was put in a basket, and they were hung in the public square. And if the family members wanted to keep them alive, you could come by and feed them. But they stayed there and starved to death. That song, "Ring Around the Rosy," that's what that song. A pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes all fall down, and that's what happened. They would they would deteriorate to ashes until. Well, the animals would come and eat what fell off. It was ghastly. It's horrible. Crucifixion is ghastly. You know, the fact that people can stay in a nice, comfortable jail cell, even though they murdered somebody, is mercy. Very great mercy. But but they would carry uh, posies in their pockets to put to their nose when they walked past a rotting body. Yeah. They carried them so they didn't have to smell that stench. So, so it was. It, it, it's a, a kind of a ghastly thing, folks, to to have that. Well, on the other side too, God's law says that that if uh, the wrath of God, you know, the the law of God would forbid somebody to let a body hang overnight. God didn't allow that. Because they, that showed the wrath of man in their punishment and God didn't allow you to show another human being wrath. That belonged to him. Vengeance belonged to him. And so you would see in the Bible sometimes when Saul and, and Jonathan's bodies were hung, they went down, the Israelites went down and took their bodies down. Amen. 
and God would allow somebody to be hung as an example until sundown. After, do not let the sun go down on your amen. And so that was the law of Moses. And so the fact that people during the Middle Ages violated that law allowed that plague to come. You follow that? God's law is real. Now, those people, whether you know better or not, his law is still in effect. Ignorance of the law, quote, unquote, is no excuse. But God's wrath is on people that take his place. You don't dehumanize a person like that. You're supposed to, and even in most most uh, governments now, there are laws against desecrating a body and other mis- mishandling a dead body. you got to handle that with respect and dignity all the way down the line. And so it's very important how we obey God's law. But this is how contamination spread during this. This is how it spreads even now. There are some things we don't know about germs right now that cause them to spread. And so it's very, very important to follow God's law. So the law of the the uh, leper was just that. That disease was so highly contagious that you could not allow them to touch anyone and anyone to touch them. So people stayed away from them and they stayed away from people because that was the law. Remember Naaman, uh, that, that lied to, uh, uh, Naaman Gehazi lied to Naaman. Naaman was a leper. He had just been cured. He was clean. But the stuff that he brought with him, see what I'm saying? So Naaman lied and told, uh, I mean, Gehazi lied. He was Elijah's servant, told Naaman, oh, my master said it's okay for us to take that stuff you offered us. Where Elijah said, we don't take nothing. So he overrode the prophet's word. So when he asked him, Elijah asked him, he said, where you been? He said, nowhere. He said, did my heart go with you or my spirit go with you? In other words, I could tell where you move, where you go, what you're doing, what you're not doing by the spirit of God, not him by himself all the time. But God showed him that. And he pronounced Naaman's leprosy on him. And he asked, he asked Gehazi, he said, is it time to take a gift? Is it time? In other words, you so smart, you hearing from God for both of us now, you can override me. You know it's time to be taking stuff from people. And he didn't have an answer for that. See, he had no idea the man of God didn't take anything up for anybody unless God told him to. It's a good rule to keep in mind, preachers. You got me? You don't go beyond where God tells you you're supposed to go. Amen. And so, you know, God has many, many ways of keeping us safe, keeping us pure and keeping us away from contamination. One of the things that isolation did for the leper was to get him to correct whatever disobedience caused him to pick up the leprosy because you just didn't get it out of nowhere. Amen. And they knew that. And so if he would humble himself and allow God to show him how to obey the law, what things to correct, then that leprosy would start to reverse and he would get healed, could go to the priest and say, well, look, it's disappeared. Now I'm good. And the priest would look at, examine it, pronounce him clean, receive the offering, and he was back in society again. 
And so uh, God has a way to make sure that his law is equitable for everybody. Amen. And so here Jesus has these lepers who are standing afar off. And it says here in verse yeah, 13, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. That was the cry. That should be our cry. You should never go to God thinking you're entitled to something. Everything we get from him is a mercy gift. You're not earning anything by your obedience here. Amen. You're just doing what you're supposed to do. It says, and when he saw them, he said to them immediately. In other words, he didn't have to have them come to him. He didn't have to have them do it. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. You go. Don't come to me. You go. And it says, and, and it came to pass that as they went, they were all cleansed. It didn't say anybody was left out. It says they were cleansed. That means every one of them. And it says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found any the return to give God glory, save this stranger. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Amen. And so uh, this this story is something that's very, very important for us to understand how healing happens. Amen. How healing happens. Proverbs 4.20 tells us, I'm going to go here for a minute so we can all read it and see. I know we've read it hundreds of times. That doesn't make any difference. (laughs) You know, you know that from experience. You can say, I remember that scripture or whatever and can't even think about what it says sometimes. It says here in verse 20, my son, pay attention to my words. That's the first step in getting healing. Pay attention to what Jesus says. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not be part, depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them and medicine or health or healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart diligently, for out of it are the issues of life. So Jesus, at his word, all of these men obeyed what Jesus told them to do. They didn't question what he was saying. They didn't say, but look at me, how I look. Amen. They immediately obeyed his word. And that's what it takes to get healing from God. This is healing by the word only. This is healing by what Jesus says. In fact, every healing that he performed, you can see these people had to believe what he preached, what he taught, or something that they had heard about him. Faith in his word must be in operation before you can receive healing from God. It's always been that way. It's always been by his word. When he said in in Exodus, when he brought Israel out of Egypt, if you will diligently hearken to my word, do what's right in my sight. But you got to do it from hearing his word. You got to mix his word with faith in your heart. 
and believe nothing but what that word tells you. So he says here, uh, when Jesus said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. Generally, they went to the priest and they saw change on their body. But this time what Jesus is saying, I can override whatever it is that you see. This is so important to know about healing, about prosperity, about, uh, you know, your family coming in line with God's plan. All of that, that's very important that you rely solely on Jesus' word instead of what you see. So these people are going to have to uh, forget about, so to speak, what the law requires. You got two principles here. One is the law of faith. And one is the law of Moses. The law of faith always has overridden and superseded Moses' law. I don't care what, what anybody tells you anything different. That law of faith is higher. Why? Because it came first. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. There was no Moses. There was Moses was inside of Abraham when he believed God for Moses to come into covenant with God. And so the law of faith always overrides and supersedes the law of Moses. That law has been done away with. But that's all most people have confidence in sometimes. You'll find yourself going back to, well, what did I do wrong? And what did I do? And what should I do? And should I do this? And you're coming, you're bringing yourself back into the law instead of allowing yourself to let your faith override that and get back into the grace of God where there is mercy and there is grace to help and Jesus can help you. When your faith is activated, that's when you get your greatest help from God. God is not in you did wrong over here. You got to correct yourself and then I'll help you. Now that is true to an extent for people who are be it's true to the this extent. If it's hindering your faith, then it's got to be corrected. Anything that hinders your faith must be corrected because sin will bring a certain level of doubt, condemnation and unbelief with it where it's hard to 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 uh allow God to do anything in your life. So we we live on the mercy and grace of God to override our bad behavior because the blood of Jesus has paid for that. But you've got to acknowledge the blood. You can't go around trying to do everything right, make sure you do this right, that right, and that right, so God can bless you. That's wrong because you can't do it right. And you confess that when you receive Christ is is your Savior. And so out of your understanding of forgiveness and obedience to that law, does God do what he does for you? The one exception I could say to that is the sin of unforgiveness. That one, you can't, you can't grace your way over that one. You got to obey that one. You got to forgive people. You can't hold people hostage in your heart and think you're going to get anything from God because that's so easy to do. All that takes a little humility on your part. And you see Christian after Christian after Christian talking about who did them wrong and how they, you know, who hurt them and all that kind of stuff. They haven't even done square one of what it takes to be a believer. You understand? Forgiveness should be something that's automatic. Amen. It's like it's like the difference between stopping and stumbling every step you make and finding a clear path and just running forward with God. Unforgiveness is a stumbling block. 
it keeps you stuck somewhere where you can't figure out how to get to the next step in God. And if you can just make it, you know, just a, a, a instant forgive, automatic forgive. Don't try to think about if, if who did what to whom. Just forgive and let it go and keep it moving. That's the way God wants us to live. He don't want us stuck somewhere trying to figure out uh, who did it. I wasn't wrong that time. And I, you're wrong all the time. You're wrong right now. Sitting up being crazy. Amen. Ain't no crazy people in the kingdom. We all got good, good minds. We got the mind of Christ. So anyway, so, so we want to, we want to operate in the law of faith at all times. And that's why Jesus is here to complete our faith. He's here to keep you on the faith track. Amen. He keeps you running forward in him. He keeps you on the right track at all times. Amen. So in this situation though, you'll see Jesus comes with a higher law than the Mosaic law. So in, and it's amazing to me how Jesus is able to respect both of them because they came from the same God. He's able to respect both the law of faith and the Mosaic law without causing any conflict. He just allows people to see that one is greater than the other one. See, the law of Moses was the teacher. Once you come into faith, you don't need a teacher anymore. I'm going to say it again because y'all looking at me like I got wings sprouting out my back. Once you come into faith, you don't need a teacher anymore. You done graduated. Amen? At least on that level. That's why, you know, you see some people, I see them and bless them, you know, they do. They try to, to win souls by reciting the Ten Commandments to them. You ever see people like that? And the people, they'll, they'll ask them, well, do you think you've done anything wrong? Will you, have you ever, uh, I know you never killed anybody and never did this to anybody, but have you done this? Have you done that? There is no grace there. There is no mercy there. People gonna lie to you if they want to lie to you and you never want a soul. It's, God said preach the gospel. Good news. Part of the good news is the do's and the don'ts are done away with. We cancel the do's and the don'ts. Amen. You can obey the law of of faith from your heart. You can obey God from your heart. He has given you a new heart. The stony, the law, the Ten Commandments is for the stony heart. Amen. And that whole thing has been done away with. The temple is destroyed. The veil was rent from top to bottom. So the Holy Ghost is out here to help you now witness to people. And he's not helping under the old covenant. You got me? So he's helping us under the dispensation of what we call grace or the grace of God. And so the grace of God allows you to do the people who don't look like they really serve God real tough can get healed. And people who are just perfect in every way sit up and just wait for it. You got me? And, and so it's, it's because God does things based on the condition of people's hearts and how he judges what they do. And so he's the only judge. Amen. And so we leave that up to him. So it's our job to preach the gospel, to offer healing to people, to offer prayer to people, to offer Jesus to them. This is what Jesus would do. And what he does here is he's able to move aside the law of Moses 
and let them come into the new law, the law of faith, law of grace through faith. And that works by taking God at his word. You've got to believe the word of God. You've got to mix your faith with his word in order to get into his faith, which is where righteousness is, where healing is, where prosperity is. All of that stuff is there in his faith mixed with his word. No matter how outrageous it looks, the outcome might be. Amen. Uh, you, you, your, your obedience uh, sometimes will look like a crime scene. You understand what I'm saying? Because of the things that you might have to do in order to obey the law of faith. For instance, take the woman with the issue of blood. She wasn't supposed to be out, but she had to go touch him because that's what her faith told her to do. Amen. Faith is righteousness. So with her believing that Jesus, if she touched his garment, she would be whole. That faith righteousness came upon her. So at the time she touched him, she was not unclean anymore. You got me? So faith took her out from under the Mosaic law and put her under the law of faith, which is a higher law. That's how these these publicans and sinners could get a healing and the Pharisees couldn't. The Pharisees were still trying to taste, not touch, not handle, not all that stuff. And, and depending upon them making offerings and sacrifices to get what they needed from God, instead of believing what Jesus preached and what he told everybody. And, and Jesus was able to get everybody that believed him everything they needed. Got them healed. Got them out of isolation. Got them into to society again. Got them able to function again. Got them able to have a job again. All of the things that they needed in life came through their faith and their faith in what he said. So here we see Jesus tells them without without touching them, without anything else, go show yourselves to the priest. In other words, this is not about seeing a manifestation like you usually do under the the mosaic law so mosaic law uh, uh demanded that they see the leprosy disappearing you had to see a physical manifestation first and then the priest went and confirmed it and he gave you permission to go back into society and it all depended upon you making the proper offering and sacrifice there at the priest one of the accounts of this, this, um, this situation, Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest and offer the sacrifice that Moses told you to offer. You got me? Why did he do that? Because with some of them, it would violate their consciences for them not to give that offering. You got me? He didn't want to violate their understanding of what the law see jesus he's the only one who can do this in such a seamless fashion he's got all wisdom he knew how to tie both of the old and the new together and take the old wine and let the old wine go in the background and bring the new wine up so people could enjoy it everybody can enjoy it 
Back in the days of the law, you're talking about the Jew being the one who was close to God. When Jesus comes, everybody can get close to God now, right? Because of the sacrifice that he would make for them. So he's breaking down as he walks the earth. He's breaking down this middle wall of partition. He's bringing everybody under that covenant. He even had examples that demonstrated the lady with the demon-possessed daughter. She was she was a, a Syrophoenician. She was a Greek. She was way off of the radar. She wasn't even a Samaritan. You know, understand the Samaritans at least worshipped to some degree the same God. That was the one of the capitals of Israel at one time. So there was a remnant of knowledge of God in Samaria. They just didn't didn't live it very much. And so this woman came. But her faith kept pressing her to get there. Now, how does that happen? It breaks down, faith breaks down every legal barrier there is to God. So when you, your faith is very precious, folks. Don't just, just say when, you know, some challenges your faith and you say, well, I got faith. That's not what it's about, baby. It's about how you using it. We've all got it. But it's about how you are using it. That's what Jesus is here for, to show you how to use it properly, appropriately, and show you all the wonderful things that using your faith can do for you. So Jesus tells them, go show yourselves to the priest. And and I'm not sure if it's the same lepers. He heals several groups of lepers, it shows in the Bible. One group of lepers, he said, offer the sacrifice. Why? Because they were no doubt Jews in that group. And it might have been this group, too, because he's coming through Gentile territory, but he's moving toward Jerusalem. But he's able to discern the appropriate instruction to give everybody, no matter where you come from. And see, as long as they're willing to step out and take that first step to go show themselves to the priest, their healing begins to manifest. Amen. Let me tell you something. The minute you believe God's word, you're healed. I'm going to say it again. The minute you believe God's word, you're healed. You can see it right here. What did he tell them? He said, go show your, where am I at? I was in Wilson. I said, no, what? Oh, like I said, turn the page back, Barb. Don't get so excited. He said in verse 14, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. So he sizes up everybody in this group and he's able to give everybody the same instruction so that they can all receive what they have. Now, these are 10 lepers who are hanging around together. Lepers often lived in groups, clusters, or colonies. Why? Because they couldn't live with their families anymore. They had nobody but each other. So there's probably like a group faith going on here or a group think or a group idea something they all have in common that they all believe or they may have discussed this ahead of time that tied them together as a group. And so Jesus decides to use that, capitalize on that, and tell them to go as a group. What happens when you break a group up? Huh? Besides you have a breakup party. Uh uh-huh. and then when you want to back you up, when you sorry you broke them up, you have a reunion tour. Amen. But what happens when you break up a group? What happens when you break up a family? Yeah, absolutely they get weaker. The group gets weaker. So Jesus is smart enough to figure that out. 
He says, instead of just trying to individually evaluate them one by one or ask them questions to find out, locate their faith, said, why don't I move them out as a group so that they can stay together as a group and they're not questioning, well, he healed him. How come I didn't get mine? Or he did this for him. How come I didn't get mine? See, he, he overrides the wisdom of God overrides that group, uh, the weakness that comes when you start making a separation and division in, in, and, uh, uh, examples out of people, you know, and leaving some out. So instead of breaking that group up, he tells them, tells them all go. And thank God they all went. Sometimes people in groups can get bright ideas. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of interesting about the lepers, though. Remember the lepers at the gate of Samaria? Why sit we here until we die? They all had the same idea at the same place at the same time. So they depended on one another probably just to survive. And it was kind of like, hey, where one of us goes, we all go. You understand what I'm saying? Are we going to hang together? Are we going to get healed together? And somehow they all came up with the idea, why don't we go to Jesus and get healed? Oh, yeah. I could go back to my wife and my kids. I could go back to farming my land. You know, I had a, a quite a bit of land at one time. I was making good money before I got hit with this. You understand what I'm saying? So they all kind of decide in a group that we're going to ask Jesus, we want to be healed. We want to break this up now. We've all always wanted to be. You ever have people that once wanted to be healed and now don't? They get complacent. It's from isolation. See, if you can get those people to stay with a congregation, to stay connected to God some kind of way, it's easier for them in a group mentality. It's herd mentality. It's herd immunity. It's herd healing. It's herd health. Amen. So it's easier sometimes to work with people in a group. And so Jesus tells the whole group, everybody, go show yourself to the priest. Now. Lepers were always ashamed is one of the reasons that they stayed isolated. Leprosy eventually would take, cause your limbs to rot. Many times there were fingers missing from a hand. The tip of a nose would be missing. Tip of the ear would be missing. Uh, the extremities of a person's body didn't get circulated anymore and they just died off because it, it just was dying. And so they were just rotting as they were walking around. And that was embarrassing. That's why the, the, the mandate in God's word was to show yourself. I know you've been hiding, but while you've been in hiding, I've been healing you. So I, now I want you to go show yourselves. Let everybody see what I've done for you. Everybody saw when you were missing from everything. They saw you maybe sneak out here and there and go to get some water or go get, you know, whatever you needed outside of your home or whatever. And they saw and you were embarrassed and ashamed. But now I'm healing you, so you need to go show yourself to the priest. Generally, once the leprosy started to reverse itself, it automatically continued to was totally reversed. But the one thing that's never happened was their limbs got replaced. Or if a place of them was rotting, it never regrew. It didn't regenerate uh, dead tissue or missing tissue. But when Jesus does, he makes them whole. He completes their faith. 
He won't leave him. When, when you're healed, there's no trace that you were ever sick. Amen? He heals you to the uttermost. And so here we have Jesus telling them, go show yourselves to the priest. In other words, let the priest tell you that you passed the test of healing. This, this, all nine probably, or, or maybe, I, I would say probably there were some Jews in that group more than likely, cause they had more confidence in the priest than they did in what Jesus told them. You got it? There are many times we start out with our healing, we got more confidence in what the doctors diagnosed us as than we do in God's word. That is very common, folks, because part of your healing is that you have to let the word start to take over and get preeminence in your thought life. It's got to get, it's got to wipe out what the natural realm is telling you about everything. You, you got to get to that point. So it's not, this, the nine, it's not unusual that they would have gone to the priest first, but part of the healing process to even show to the priest was that you had to start being healed before you got there. So either way around, they're kind of stuck in, I got to do exactly what Jesus told me to do, and I've got to do exactly what the law says I must do in order that I can receive what I need from God. God heals you either way. He will heal you either way. There are some people that don't believe they're cancer-free, even though they feel good, they function, they're normal, everything about them's normal. They don't believe the diagnosis is removed until they go to the doctor and get a clean blood work. There are some people that go, start praising God, and never look back. Dodie Osteen is one of them. You can't say she ain't healed. She said, well, they'll say, well, well, what did the doctor? Well, I never went back. They didn't have any good news for her anyway. And, you know, some religious people say, well, you know, that's fear. They couldn't be because she's still here. The people that's in fear is six feet under. But she's still here. You got me? You know, you have a relationship with God where you just go by what he says. He said, well, you don't have to go to the doctors. You're healed, Dodie. Once you know that within you, you don't need man to validate anything. Amen? You don't need man to tell you anything about you once God's told you what you are and who you are. That's how we live. And so when he said, go show yourselves to the priest, that was his way of saying, you are healed now because I'm telling you you're healed. Take my word for it. My word you can take to the bank. My word is money. My word is confidence. My word is everything. Start relying more on my word than what you see. Amen. But in mercy, what happens to all of them? It says here, it says, and it came to pass in verse 14 that as they went, you had to step out going first before you got anything. They were obeying uh, the faith, uh, faith, the law of faith, the minute they made one step toward going to the priest. Amen. They were obeying the faith that Jesus, the faith in Jesus' words was active to get them to the first step. 
the first step that you take in obeying God for your healing, you're healed. Don't ever let the, the, the non, non what you see, the non manifestation, don't ever let the fact that you don't see anything yet discourage you from declaring your healing and believing you're healed now. I am healed now. I have it all now. Why? Because I believe I received it when I prayed. I believed I received it when Jesus, when I read that word. I believed I received it when I received the word. That's how we get it now. That's why we got so many people not believing. They believe it one day, don't believe it the next day. Why? Because we go from looking there to looking in here. From looking in here to looking out there. To looking in here to taking a pulse. Looking in here to seeing how we breathe. And looking in here to just, you see what I'm saying? We got two focuses. You got to do what Abraham, he said he considered not his body. He said, I don't know when I had sex with Sarah. Oh boy. You know what, Poppy, you know, and on second thought, I think I will go across the street. Just exit stage, whatever. And y'all still quiet. Uh, unbelief, I curse you in Jesus name. Y'all gotta know what people are dealing with. You got me? You don't miraculously wake up one day and get interested in your wife when you're a hundred years old and you haven't been interested in many years. I hear Cece mumbling. You better say it loud. Where you at? <laughs> right there. Hallelujah. Right. That's a miracle in itself. And let you know it was given by God. He got married again after Sarah died. Sarah died like 25 years later. He got married again. He had some more kids. We'll talk to my notes. Let me see what do I have here. Dear note, dear note, dear note. Praise God. <laughs> you know, it's, it's enough that we can believe the word, but believing the word to reverse something that you've lived with for many years, that's a miracle, folks. That's a miracle. That takes miracle. That takes the faith of God. That's recreative faith. God has to recreate things in people all the time. He recreated the lepers. He's, you can see that, that these, they're, their uh leprosy not only was reversed, but I believe in many of them, the closer they got to the priest, the more their limbs began to grow back. You know? Now now people people take the 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 man that came back to glorify God as an example of let me just read it and I'm I'm gonna explain to you how people do interpret this and it's okay, but I can't believe that Jesus word when it's obeyed won't do the same thing in everybody. You know what I'm saying? Cause I used to believe this way, but I, I, I think I believe he did this for everybody. It says here, it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed, which means that they were, uh, um, beginning to, the leprosy was beginning to leave them. It says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, so cleansed and healed are the same thing, right? It says, is, is he turned back and with a loud voice 
glorified God, fell down at his face, at his, at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering and said, were not all ten cleansed? In other words, everybody got the same healing. When you believe God's word, you get the same as a girl down the street, as the boy over here. As a, well, everybody gets the same. God doesn't have a special healing because you turned around and gave thanks. Come on, y'all. He pronounced them healed when they stood there. As they obeyed the instruction for the completion of their healing, they received. Everybody got the same thing. One turned around to give thanks. There's a difference. The only difference is that he recognized it was God that did it because he had no concept of the priesthood. The Samaritans didn't, they didn't know nothing about going to no priest. They hadn't done that in centuries. He knew God had done it, but the ones that kept going knew knew it under a different covenant. That's all I'm selling and saying to you. They they depended on their knowledge of the Mosaic law to get them healed, and they were going to complete that. That doesn't mean that this guy, because he stopped to give them thanks, got a better healing, a better deal than they did. You understand what I'm saying? It, it doesn't, this, this would put it into the realm of works. But Jesus understood that they all should have been thankful to God for what they got. Amen? And so recognize when God has done something for you and stop to give him thanks and you get a little bit more from God. Amen. And so this is what Jesus is talking about. He says, we're not all 10 cleansed, but where are the nine? Says they're not found that return to give God glory except this stranger. So he stopped on the way. They could have gone to the priest first and then glorified God. We don't know. But Jesus is saying here that when God does something for you and you know he does it, you need to stop and give him thanks. In other words, don't forget to give him thanks when you first recognize it because you might put it off forever. Amen. And so this is the principle here. Stopping to give God thanks is understanding that he has done something for you. Understanding that it's not your obedience to the law necessarily. When you obey the law, God is still healing you. You got me? And so Jesus is saying people need to start recognizing that God is healing people and it doesn't take you to go to a priest to confirm it to know that you're healed. Amen? So in other words, it doesn't take a doctor's report to confirm to you that you're healed, that you know that you're healed. Amen? Mr. Howard, how many years ago did you, did the machine break down on you to get your heart exam they thought you were going to be so in trouble with if you didn't get it? About 25 years. They said he needed uh, his heart exam because something wrong with his heart, yada, 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 yada. And he said, I've, I've waited in the hospital three days and the machine broke every time I went to get the test. So he just, God just reassured him, you don't need that. There's Your heart is fixed and it's been fixed ever since. You got me? So anybody who was dependent upon man would be beating the door down trying to get a, a test done to say that they're healed based on the test. See, when you can let your faith do it, you're way ahead of the game.
you're way ahead of everything. And so this man was looking for his faith to be confirmed. The minute healing showed up, he went back to give God thanks. Amen. And this is the important thing, because if you can give God thanks in process, if you can give God thanks in the midst of healing you, when you can give God thanks while you still got symptoms, you get more recognition from Jesus. You get more help from him. You get more understanding from him. And so they were all cleansed. He said, where are the nine? And he says, arise and go your way. Your faith has made you whole. In other words, your faith, this man got reassurance that his faith did it right on the spot. Well, the other ones would get it, but they would have to wait until they went and saw the priest in order to get it. This man got his life back right here. See, he didn't have to go to the priest now. Why? He's he's talking to somebody who's higher than the priest over there is. Jesus is higher than the the uh the line of Levi. Amen. Jesus priesthood was higher. That's why he could heal people right on the spot and they didn't have to go through all the legal ramifications. Like the woman with the issue of blood. When she got up off her knees and Jesus asked her if she was the one who touched him, and she said yes, and he told her, go your way. You're good. You don't have to worry about being afraid that somebody's going to stop you and ask you what you're doing out in the streets now. She had a healing that was personal. It was hard to verify. It was It was something internal in her. How are you going to show everybody you're healed if Jesus doesn't pronounce you healed to the whole world? So he saved her the trouble of having to explain herself every time she was out on the street somewhere. You know, people had the right to stop you. They could turn you, they report you to the police. And if you, you know, there's some laws required that you be stoned if, you know, they made her go back home and all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? But, but she, this saved her, her faith saved her the trouble of having to explain herself to everybody. In other words, once you're healed, God lets people know you're healed. You don't have to explain yourself to everybody. You know how people, religious people want to keep asking you how you doing and is God healed you yet? Why you want to know? You don't have nothing to add to the conversation. You don't have, you don't have no anointing to help me with it. So go somewhere, little busybody. I know who you are, but Jesus always helped people to preserve their faith by locking it down for him. That's what he did with this, this woman. And it said when, when he asked her, he said, who touched me? He would, he refused to move until he found out who touched him. Even when Jairus over there sweating bullets cause his daughter is on her deathbed and he like, man, we just, come on, Jesus. I asked you first. You, you understand what I'm saying? My house, my house. You know, and, and then she's over here, uh, and Jairus is like the last dude she want to see. And he's standing next to Jesus and she got to touch him. And she like, I'm going back home. This just ain't my day. You know, you know, people get that way about this ain't my day for healing. I, you know, it's just too many obstacles in my way. You got that much trouble. It must be your day. Amen. The devil going to go through all that trouble to stop you. This must be your day. Amen. This is your day for sure. Amen. 
Because what did she do? She just ducked out. She did a deep dive. Amen. She's, you know, she already had that worked out in her head. Say, if I get anybody giving me grief, I know what to do now. Because you don't know, she might have started out many days and got stopped because of who was, who was, you know, on the road or who was around her. Too many people. I'm going to have to touch somebody and somebody going to turn me in. You understand what I'm saying? And so, but this day she decided ain't nothing stopping me. Nothing. And she kept hiding from Jesus. When he said who touched me, he had to look around and locate somebody. She never raised her hand and said it was me. Why not? Because the confidence wasn't there. See, there's a place where you can get a healing. You can get a a fragment of it. And then your mind will fight you and say, that ain't it. You know, or your mind will fight you to grab the symptom again because that's what you're used to. I've been there many times. And and you got to get to that place. See, you need him to come and finish your faith. Because the only reason he stopped her, he didn't want to make an example and embarrass her. And think he's too good for you. Oh, you're too good for anybody touching you now. I remember you was growing up. You know, uh-uh, it wasn't about that. It was about he needed to locate her because he knew in him that she was going to need somebody to, to tell her and reassure her that she was cool. Don't let, you don't got to go to nobody explain yourself anymore. I'm telling you in front of everybody that you're okay. Your faith did this. And from now on, you live by faith because that faith is going to override everything that stands in your way. Once you know your faith has done something, that elevates you. You're not a beggar anymore. You're not running from people anymore. You're not hiding from people anymore. Not in an arrogant way, but in a godly, confident way. Once your faith starts working for you, nobody can talk you out of it. Real faith, God faith, faith in God's word. All you can do if your faith seems to be failing, you go get some more. It was working a couple of days ago because you was pretty feeling pretty good about yourself in your situation. So go get some more of that that did that for you. But but when Jesus would minister to people and talk to them, that always sealed the deal. He has to seal your faith, your healing in you. Sometimes that's why it takes a while to get your healing or it comes in increments or you you get it, um, a fragment of it and it might be weeks or months before you get another touch of it because he's making it solid in you so that nobody can take it away from you. It's a wonderful thing. I mean, once you're healed in his book, you're healed. And so when he healed these lepers, he made sure it stuck. He made sure it, it stayed with them. He made sure it helped them. Those other men needed the priest to sanction them. That's fine. Do it. Let it, let it happen. If you need to go to the doctor to get a good report, then go. But if you keep going back and they keep telling you stuff wrong and you know inside you heal, quit going. Get a clue. Go get back in your word and allow the word to minister to you. I was reading something, uh, today before I came here. They were saying that, um, there's a, a large percentage of breast di- cancer misdiagnosis in older women, especially. Hmm. Now let me think. Um. Wonder why. Oh, could it be the insurance? 
nah, they wouldn't do that. Grow up. That's why you got faith. That's why you have faith to sustain you. That's why you have faith to override the evil report of the world. That's why God gives us faith. And he's excited for us to use it for his glory. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for giving us your word. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word to override sickness, override poverty, override everything that would stand against us ever. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We bless you. We praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, amen and amen again. Praise God. I'm going to pray for people. Anybody need prayer in here today?